ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. Another week, another episode of Garage Door Sports. Nick McVicker joined through the Garage Door Sports Cuff Phone by both of my amazing co-hosts, Kyle Vardy and Irfan Manji. Kyle, how are you doing, my man? I'm tired. It's been a long recovery after that live show we had, but uh, I'm doing good. Ready to talk some sports. That was a long show. We did not expect it to be four and a half. We were looking at like the three, three and a half hour mark being realistic. Four and a half hours later, you and me finally stopped that re- the stream. Um, a lot of fun, though. That was a lot of fun. It was fun. It was Logan, fun. De- definitely willing to do that again, for sure. Yeah, Logan killed it as uh, our analyst from Between the Uprights. And uh, Irfan, from behind the scenes, hidden behind his phone, uh, was awesome all night. Buddy, how are you doing today? Good. Uh, that was a good draft. It was fun. I mean, I was writing while I was doing all that. So every so often I'd be like, hold on, let me see if I can find a cool stat to send you. So I would. And then I go back to work. So um, it was fun being the behind the scenes because uh, it was nice to, to kind of comment on what you guys were doing. And I thought it was well done. Like it was it was very clear and very clean. I will say that. Yeah, that was the first live show that we've done through the network, which is really, really cool. I think we did a great job. Again, full credit to Kyle and Logan for carrying a lot of the stuff while I was trying to do production stuff on the other side. Um, that was, uh, uh, Kyle, how do you put it? Hectic, I guess would be the best word for me. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably say that would be the word for it, yeah. I was doing four jobs at the, at some points in that draft. It was just craziness. But we, we pulled it off. Um, and my favorite message from Irfan was uh, about the Alabama players. All of a sudden, just out of nowhere six Alabama players. I'm like, what? And I had to read the text like three times trying to understand what he was trying to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, that, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's yeah. weird bet for me, so I'm not very happy with that. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, well, I had under five and a half because I didn't think there was any way in hell leather what it was going to be going at that point. And all of a sudden the Raiders go, hmm, yeah. The Raiders going to Raider. <laughs> let's take the 10th best offensive lineman when nine are still available, so. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say 10th best. He was probably top five, but still just kind of out of the blue. Uh, regardless, um, we're going to get into the draft. We're going to also talk some EPL today. We will touch on the Roberto Alomar saga, but let's get right into our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy, calling all kickers and punters in the Southern Ontario region. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferraro brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Visit them at Canada Kicking Academy. Academy.com or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. And boys, we're better to start than the draft. We're very sort of started talking about it, but let's get right into it. Um, 
first couple picks went exactly how we thought. Third pick, Trey Lance going to the 49ers. Um, I wouldn't call it a surprise necessarily, but I, I still think they made the wrong pick because I think Justin Fields is the better quarterback. But regardless, that's who they wanted. That's who they got. Uh, four went kind of exactly how we thought it was going to as well, Kyle Pitts. And then things kind of started changing from what we expected. Kyle, what kind of happened after that fourth pick that threw this draft into a bit of a tailspin for all the mock drafts that were done? Um, I mean, well, Cincinnati went sexy over safe. It really, really went, came down to it. And we kind of, and I kind of said that uh, on the live stream was they, uh, they decided to go with Chase rather than go with the safe pick of trying to protect Joe Burrow. And um, I understand it. Do I agree? No. But that's obviously not really for me to uh, have that decision because uh, otherwise I'd be an NFL GM. So um, <laughs> soon enough, folks, soon know, enough. J- Jamar Chase, I think, is, is going to be a great player. And I, I think it is going to be eventually we could be looking at this being like, all right, that was the right pick, 100%. But at the same point, um, since then, they have not addra- addressed the offensive line until they got a guard in the third round. But even that guard is like not even the best guard that was available. So it's interesting to see where they go. Yeah, it's been interesting to see how they've kind of rated some of uh, these linemen and stuff. Um Irfan, you were watching, you were kind of seeing what was happening. Uh, was there any real surprises in the top 10 that you went, oh my, like, why did they do that? Not really. I mean, to be honest with you guys, uh, like the first four picks, I was like, okay, these make sense. And then after that, like Kyle said, it was just what these teams needed, or I guess the player that they thought was the best left on the market, not necessarily the one that might be the best player overall. Um, but it sort of felt properly i think i think i I was a little surprised with the trey lance pick just because i like i said i think fields is a better overall player but again i haven't seen trey lance play a lot this season i saw more of fields than than anything so um yeah those were those were the surprises and then it was really interesting though like while you guys were recording kyle was like predicting everything correctly Uh, that was that was pretty good i was like yeah. do you want to give them the uh the background behind that kyle or do you want to leave it as a surprise for everybody uh, actually, only one of them I found on Twitter. The other ones I actually knew. Okay. Um, no, because he he, yeah, he, yeah. To- he told me after like the I think it was the Waddell pick. Yeah. Right. All yeah. of a sudden, all of a sudden, while we were on commercial break, he's like, "Yeah, all these picks are coming up on Twitter beforehand." So I, I like I'm seeing them before they're they're getting picked, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." So when he started calling some out just before we cut to the commissioner, I'm like, "You cheater!" Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually honestly, I wasn't looking at those. I would only if I knew them, I would tell. Nick, but I would still get my analysis based on who I thought. But yeah, yeah. I actually only did that for one. Other ones, I'm just a genius. So. No, it was it was pretty good because you were like, oh, this is completely off left field, and then Logan's like, okay, I can see you doing that, and then Nick's like, I don't know, and then it's right, and we're like, this guy, this guy hey, knows this what he's is, doing. This hey. is why I recruited two analysts as opposed to just <laughs> Kyle because I have no clue. I was hosting. I was the key to the show that way, but that was about all I was going to bring. Although I did have back-to-back picks right. And like, yeah, you're pretty. I was like out of, out of left field. I'm like, yeah, I think Quiddy Pay goes here. Oh, I think Caleb Farley goes here. All right, I'm done. <laughs> um, but yeah, the top 10 was, it was interesting. I think Sewell probably should have gone five, as you said, Kyle, to the Bengals because they needed to fill that hole. Uh, the J.C. Horn pick 
I don't think is a bad one. I thought Sertan was the better, or, or uh, yeah, Sertan was the better of the two cornerbacks, but Horn was up there. Horn had to be up there, so it's not a bad pick. He might have gone one later. Sertan was the safe pick. JC Horn has better upside and more potential. Right. Sertan I'm I, if I'm saying for a team like Carolina who needs him to start right away, it might have well, been easier for Sertan. But either way, like I think both of those guys were probably top ten, so it would have either maybe they might have just flipped because the next yeah, pick was Sertan anyway, so it doesn't really yeah. matter. I think if JC Horn was there, I think the Broncos would have taken him. And if the Broncos didn't take him, then Dallas stays at ten and takes him. So he would have gone within that three pick span yeah. anyways. So. so that wasn't that wasn't a huge deal. Um the big story though is the Broncos taking Sertan while Justin Fields was still on the board. Um, Irfan, what did you make of that? This is a team that has struggled at quarterback since Manning retired. And <laughs> they left Justin Fields on the board to take a cornerback. Are they really sold on Drew Locke being the answer, or are they just trying to fill other needs? I think... They're, they're okay with what they have currently because, I mean, I, I still think they're in a rebuilding phase. They're not going to blow anyone away and they're still competing. I think they can hold off on a, a backup quarterback or a young player like that maybe for another year or two until they figure out what they have and what they don't have. Um, I think in, in this scenario, they had to pick the player that they needed to fill a hole, and, and that's what they did with certain who's – He's, he's polished. He's rock solid. He's a good player who, who has a good form. He knows what he's doing. Um, I still think that, you know, Justin Fields falling down to 11th was a bit of a surprise throughout this whole draft. I mean, you're like, what are they, what are they looking at? What's the issue? Because I think that you can't talk about his work ethic being a problem. So what, what is it these, that these teams need? And obviously some teams don't need a quarterback, but uh, I mean, the Broncos could obviously use a quarterback. Um, But Again, it, it's 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 a priority situation. Can they afford to give up this year? Because uh, they will probably continue to tank. So let's say next year and the year after, they'll be a top five pick. I mean, they can make that quarterback run at that point. I, I think what they're doing now is picking up other assets and then hopefully when they need that quarterback, they can make that pick. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Kyle, do you have any thoughts on that decision or what the Broncos are doing? Um, biggest thing, well, obviously, they're going to go after Aaron Rodgers, the whole big thing, but that's a whole different story. Oh, we'll, we'll get into that conversation. Um, I think they're comfortable with Drew Locke, and I think the biggest thing they were comfortable with is they wanted to bring competition in for him. And I think that the you know, the acquisition of Teddy Bridgewater, I think, kind of did that before the draft. So, to me, as soon as that happened, that took them off the board of a quarterback. Everybody was still set on them bringing another quarterback in. I wasn't buying it just purely because they were bringing, they already brought in Teddy Bridgewater. And I think at that point they were taking the best player available. And in their mind, I guess that it was certain at that point. Um, do I agree with that? Probably not. Do they need a quarterback? You know, is your lock the answer? I don't think so. But then again, you know, we've seen a season and a bit of him. So there's a very real chance he still could develop into the quarterback that they want. So, um, you know, he has the weapons and he has the stuff there. Um, problem with them last year was they also had no offensive line so that's a whole nother issue that the broncos had to address as well so um we'll see what happens you know if they maybe if, if their defense is better drew lock is on the field less and and, and you know, they can go from there um in, in that opinion so um i don't i don't mind the pick to be honest but uh i think justin fields would have could have definitely changed that franchise for sure so for sure um 
another thing that I noticed in the first round after the top 10, because the top 10 kind of went the way it, sh- it they should have gone other than, I mean, I think we could talk Sewell going to Bengals, but regardless, we've already yeah. done that, was how teams after the 10, or even including number 10, players that fell to them were the exact player that they probably wanted. Starting with the Eagles, they moved up. I know they moved up, so let's we can take them out, but they got their receiver that they wanted in Devonta Smith. And then the Bears, who have had QB problems with Trubisky over the last few years, yep. now get Justin Fields at 11. And they didn't have to – they moved up into that spot, getting it from the Giants. And then 12, where the Cowboys just traded out of 10, they get their guy in Micah Parsons because that's probably who they would have taken at, at 11 because they didn't need a quarterback in Fields anyway. Right? Uh, who, uh, who, sir? The Cowboys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the, both the corners were off the board, yeah. Right? And then the Chargers go get Rashawn Slater, who is the offensive tackle that they needed. And then the Jets, who had just trade, who traded up from Minnesota, get their guard in Vera Tucker. The Patriots get the QB. The Cardinals get their linebacker. Like, everyone after that, up until the Raiders, got the exact player that they wanted. And only two teams technically had to move up. Yeah. Like, that's kind of crazy. I think the biggest thing is like, you know, teams may not necessarily got the guy they wanted because they didn't think the guy was going to be there. Like you look at like Rashawn Slater was not supposed to be there at 13. That's as simple as that. Um, but they got the position they wanted and it kind of just, it, it filtered down in, into everybody settling into a position that they're totally okay with, I guess is the biggest thing. So um, obviously with, with Mac, Mac Jones falling to the Pats, you know, they they get their they get their player in uh, they get their player without moving they get they get their quarterback without moving I guess is the biggest thing so there's that um, biggest surprise to me I think was the Zayvon Collins one uh, at that point because we we talked about on the show where they got Isaiah Simmons last year um, was linebacker really the need probably not but again it it, it comes to value so. Yeah, I still think they got probably the best player there at the time. Like, but it's it's yeah, that's probably the only questionable one. Um, Irfan, did you were you happy with how those next kind of picks started going? Like, um, considering my knowledge of <laughs> some of the prospects wasn't very good. Um, yeah, I think the way Kyle kind of explained it was every team from that ten to I guess want to say sixteen to seventeen they got the guy that they needed. Um, not necessarily the one that they were expecting to get and sort of fall into place. Um, like Mac Jones, for example, like he could have been a top 10 pick, but he fell to the the Patriots. And for some reason, the Patriots seem to have their way with some drafts and being like, hey, you know what? I need a quarterback this draft. And then it sort of just falls into place for them. And that's just, I don't know what it is. It says the football gods trying to do something for us. I'll, I'll take it no matter what, but Listen, uh, you guys don't need any more football God help. Okay. Enough of um, this. We'll still take it as long as we get it. It's all good. Um, but you know, there's, there's, there's some top end talent, even, even towards the end of the, the first round that, you know, could have gone anywhere in the draft. Like Rashad Bateman is a very good player for the Ravens. And I think that's a good steal for them. Um, you can talk about anyone else on this list as well that they're just very good. Um, Newsom, and the Ravens do some to the Browns is also one that he he lasted a lot longer than we thought. 
So yeah, there's there's some surprises near the end of the round, and we can get into those now. Um, sure. I like the Greg Russo pick for the Bills. Uh, we talked about it on the show. It was uh, they didn't have any glaring holes, and they got a very good edge rusher to help facilitate some tired legs near the end of the season. Like you're trying to save those guys for playoff runs. They just find found a guy who is plug and play whenever you need mm-hmm. him to plug and play. Right, that's kind of a beauty. Bucks, same thing. Joe Tryon, he's he can go in and give your uh, give your team some much needed rest, especially with the Bucks a lot being a little bit older than the Bills. Um, you're talking JPP now. JPP doesn't have to play as many downs as he did last season. You can give him a break. That's a huge thing for them. I also do like what the Ravens did. You talked about it, Irfan, picking up Rashad Bateman. He's a, he's a big receiver. That's someone that they can throw in and be another target for Lamar. And then they go add uh, Adafi uh, Owe as the edge rusher from Penn State, which I think is huge as well. They got that in the trade with KC for Orlando Brown. I They do need to obviously fill Brown's hole on the team, but I think... Owe is going to be a surprise edge rusher and be very, very good this season. And then there were the questionable ones, in my opinion. <laughs> and we'll start with my team, Eric, taking Eric Stokes. What What are the Packers doing? Was, was quarterback the biggest need on this team going into the draft? And if so, oh. is Stokes the best player that was still available at that position? Like, if cornerback is the big one, I think cornerback might have been one or two on the list of needs, Kyle. Mm-hmm. But was yeah. Stokes the number one cornerback still available? Not even close. No. So why are we taking Stokes? Like, I don't get it. Have you seen the last two drafts the Packers have had? Yes, and I think I said it on the sh- I said it on the show though, and I'm going to repeat this before you. I let you talk. I like Eric Stokes. I think he will be a good player in the league. Is he a first-round player? I don't think so. Had we got him in the second or third round, I probably wouldn't be as upset with the pick. And I said the same thing about Jordan Love last year. Had we got Jordan Love in the second or third round, I would not have been upset. But it was the fact that we traded up last year to get Jordan Love in the first round. And now we take Eric Stokes in the first round when there were other cornerbacks available at that position. I would have been totally fine with them taking him later in the draft. No problems with it. But they take him in the first round. Why? What are they trying to do? Other than piss Aaron Rodgers off. I was going to say, let Aaron Rodgers walk out the door is, I guess, where the answer is right now. Um, to be honest, I had a, I had probably a couple corners that above him. So I'm kind of confused as to um, as to where they went with this. I, I don't really understand. Um, you know, you, you, you look at, to me, Tyson Campbell, who went first pick in the second round, I had above Stokes. Um, and then even like Asante Samuel Jr., who fell to pick number 15 in the second round, I had him rated above that too. So um, Calvin Joseph from Kentucky yeah. as well, it was there. Interest, interesting decision for sure. Um, the only thing going for him, I guess, is is he had you know the size that the teams look for, I guess, is really what you could say. Um and, you know, I don't know if he has that big playability that some of the other guys had, but it is what it is. So um, I still think they, they should have went offensive line. That's probably the more pressing need, I think. Thank you. Um, and, and honestly, you probably could have easily gotten a corner in the second round. 
Um, you probably could have gotten Stokes in the second round at the same pick that we took. <laughs> I mean, potentially, yeah. Like, <laughs> probably. So, I, I just don't get it. I feel like they reached on a player that they didn't need to reach on. He was probably still going to be available in the second round, or if not a comparable player at pick 62 in the <laughs> second round, um, where we ended up taking a center in Josh Mayers from Ohio State, who, yeah, he's probably going to be an okay center. But again, like you could have had Dickerson or one of these big offensive linemen that we were talking about before the draft, and instead you go for a cornerback. I just, I just don't get it. I feel like they're trying... They are trying to think outside the box and trying to be the Raiders, which makes no sense because the Raiders aren't even good at being the Raiders. Why would you try to be a team that's not even good at being the team that you're supposed to be? Like, I, I just I don't get it. No. I don't get it. I mean, it. like, I, I like I like the Josh Myers pick. I do. But I also think the guy who went with the next pick is a better center than Creed Humphrey. And, and I think, honestly, the Chiefs were probably laughing when they said center and then all of a sudden said Josh Myers. And then they're like, oh, Okay, yeah, we're going up to take Humphrey right now. Okay, go by. But like, yeah. think think about the pick twenty nine again. Like, go back to that. Think about who was still available. Dickerson was still available. Humphrey was still available. Obviously, yeah. right? You could have taken either of those guys and solidified that position. I mean, now that Lindsley's out, you could have easily taken Dickerson, and, and everybody would have been justified in taking that pick. Hundred percent. People would have been happy. I think Rogers would have been happier. Happier, not happy. Yeah. Happier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like Irfan, I just I don't get it. Like it doesn't make sense. What do, what did you make of their decision making? Well, that's two drafts in a row where it's just questionable decisions about like what exactly are they trying to fill? It's not the needs apparently. It's just whatever they think is the best player that's going to contribute to their roster. But like, not only did they need an offensive lineman, but they could have used a wide receiver and Elijah Moore, who's a, a slot receiver, one of the best in the draft. Like he could have been a good player. Like it just it, to me, it, it's like. I think they're going down the path to trade Aaron Rodgers or just to like piss off their star, which would be the second hall of famer, in my opinion, that is going to leave green Bay in a span of 20 years. So like, do they not know how to keep their those stars? Are, those are, I will say those are very, two very different scenarios. Like far. No, and I get, no, no, I understand that, but I'm, I'm just saying that you're losing a potential second hall of famer from green Bay in a span of 20 years. Um, what does that tell your fan base? No matter what the situation was with with Favre, but what does that tell your fan base? It's like, oh, right, you're gonna have a, a solid ten to fifteen year career here, and then bye bye. Uh, we're not gonna value that next. So, does that make players that get drafted want to be here long term? Probably not. Um, but I mean, that's just just my opinion from the outset here. Um, I mean, you're a Green Bay fan; you probably see it a little bit closer than I do. But there was a wide receiver on the board that they could have still picked. Up. Hell, go get a go get a cornerback if you really want. Like there's there's better players available. I actually like yeah. the wide receiver that they ended up picking in the third round. I think he'll be Amari a, a Rogers from Clemson. I think will be a nice addition to this team. He's not the elite wide receivers that we saw in the first round, but he was a good addition to the team. Mm-hmm. But that might be the only pick that I'm like happy with where we took the player. But it took we, three rounds to get there. We we filled three holes, but only one of them is probably the right player to take at that specific pick. Like it's well, and the biggest thing is he was the third tier of wide receivers. That's the biggest thing. So right, um, you, you know, you kind of missed out on those those home run hitter game changers. You know, but um, in Amari my opinion, Rogers is is a great slot guy. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but you know, 
is that going to be the difference on a team? I don't think so. But I think the way, the way I'm thinking of it here, and this is just me thinking as a Packer fan is that center and cornerback were much more pressing needs. So you're taking top, top tier or second tier players at those positions to properly fill those. Whereas wide receiver wasn't as pressing of a need. It was still a need. Don't get me wrong. We still need receivers, but it wasn't as pressing of a need. So getting a third tier wide receiver at in the third round, I'm not too upset with that. Right. As opposed to if we take, if we had taken Stokes in the second round as, because I think he's a second tier cornerback in this draft. Right. Would you agree with me, Kyle? Second tier. Um, uh, Stokes, yeah. Stokes, yeah. Second tier. If we had taken him in the second round, I wouldn't have been so upset with it, as I said. But I mean, we took him in the first round. He's he's your second corner starting day one. So I know, I, I and I get that, but I wouldn't have been as upset if he we taken him in the second round and taken a top tier offensive lineman in the first round. But instead, we got a second tier cornerback and a second tier offensive lineman, possibly even third tier offensive lineman, depending on how you rated him. Yeah. And we got a third tier wide receiver. So it's it's like we're just we don't want that elite talent because we want to prove that we can grow these players, which doesn't make sense. That's not the way to go. If you have elite talent on the board, you take it. Um I don't want to just you know what, trade or just trade your freaking first round pick if you're not gonna do something productive with it. And go get a, a, a no, but then go get a go get a roster player or something that you know might be more useful for you instead of trying to develop players because I don't think the Packers should be in development stages. I think they need to be in competing stages. Like you guys have a world-class quarterback that should have more than one ring. Let's I mean, be free. If, if you guys uh, want to give us a first-round pick, Stephon Gilmore is available. I'm okay. <laughs> I mean, he would literally be your number one corner. So I know, but I don't want to give him a first-round pick for Stephon Gilmore. <laughs> Man, Packers fans, come on, guys. Just take what you get. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. That, that's Kind of back ass words, to be honest. Um, well, just be, no. It's, the reason that I say that is because you're, I don't. You're, yeah. you're willing to spend a first round pick on a second tier corner, but not willing to trade a first. round I'm pick not though. Pick. I am not. I don't want them to I, take I, a second tier corner. In the first that, but I'm saying, clearly, your team is willing to take a second tier corner with the first round pick, but not trade for arguably not last year, but the year before was the number one corner in the entire league. Right. That's the difference is that if I was in charge, I wouldn't take the second round, second tier cornerback in the first round. I would have taken a top end uh, offensive lineman and I would have probably gotten Stokes in the second round anyway. But if the, if I had to pick between Gilmore and Stokes, obviously I'm taking Gilmore. I'm not dumb. Like that's the, that's the clear, obvious solution. I'm just saying like if it's me, I personally wouldn't want to give up a first round pick for Gilmore. Because I would rather use that first round pick to help our offensive line and get a, and get the same cornerback that we got in the first round, in the second round. Like that's what I'm saying. Hence why we are not hired by anybody. We'll see how these two picks play out. We might be right in the end. But <laughs> um, quickly, Kyle, biggest surprise team positive wise in the draft so far. Obviously, there's more coming today, but so far in the draft, who has surprised you being positive? hometown Cleveland Browns they've gotten uh arguably they've had the best draft out of anybody um and honestly I would probably say they have um you look at you know they got Greg Newsom who we didn't think was gonna be there at that point no they got 26 
JOK was not supposed to be there at 52. They got him at 52, who arguably, arguably could be the steal of the draft at that position. Yeah, he was number and 20 then, on your big board. Let's not forget yeah. that, 20. And, and, and honestly, people were like, what the hell is going on? And then even then, like in round three, they go and get a wide receiver to compliment Baker Mayfield and, and Anthony Schwartz out of Auburn. And that's a, a straight value pick at that point. Like, he, he was – he's – Honestly, it was supposed to go around that point. So it, it's one of those I, – I love what the Browns have done. And, and to me, to be honest, like, that's their division to lose right now. So um, they, they just made a, a good team even better with two just straight value picks of people dropping. So I, I, like, I like the Browns and what they've done. Irfan? Um, agree with the Browns, but I also thought the Jaguars – had a pretty decent draft obviously getting in the first overall pick um but they they addressed a couple of their needs i mean obviously the jaguars haven't had a complete team in quite some time but you know going out getting a cornerback getting a running back getting an offensive tackle getting a safety in the the first pick for the third round i mean they've done a decent job for for a side who you know hasn't really been able to keep players um or you know signs very high-end talent for a year or two and then loses it. I think they've had a pretty decent draft and I've been quite impressed with them. Obviously, when you have the first overall pick, you know, you you can't really miss with that one, but... um, Don't say that. People can miss with a first overall pick. We're just assuming Trevor Lawrence is not a miss. We'll we'll find out in a couple years if if he's as highly touted as we think he is, or at least what the pundits think he is, because I think there's a couple of other quarterbacks that may have fallen out of the top 10 that could have been better in the long run but um but they didn't do poorly and and for a, a team that's you know had poor relationships with players i hope this is a good change in pace for them especially with the new coach coming into the the fold yeah, for sure um two teams that i want to quickly bring up miami i think they did a great job they had five picks in the first three rounds they addressed all of their top end needs because they needed a wide receiver they got waddell or waddle i i'm never sure how to pronounce his name either way they got Defensive line help with Jalen Phillips all in the first round. They added Javon Holland, Canadian, as a safety out of Oregon, who's going to be very good, I think. And they added Liam Eikenberg in the second round to help address that offensive line to help protect Tua. Mm -hmm. And then they throw in the 18th pick in the third round being Hunter Long, a tight end, big body from Boston College. I think they've done really well so far. We'll see how they finish out the draft. Obviously, they got three more picks, but that's a pretty solid draft for the Miami Dolphins. The other team I want to talk about is the Chicago Bears because we talked about them needing a quarterback, got Justin Fields, and then they went and picked up Jenkins as their uh, second pick, which I think is huge. Tevin Jenkins, Kyle, you were we were talking about him on the show a couple times of possible places that he might end up landing. Mm-hmm. Landing in Chicago, helping them is going to be huge. So yeah. I think both of those teams did a great job in the draft. Um That'll do it for our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk a little EPL here on Garage Door Sports. Hey, guys. It's producer Jake here from Benning House, the Garage Door Sports Network's ultimate degenerate gambling podcast. Catch our episodes weekly on Apple, Spotify, and Google as we bring you banter, laughter, and of course picks for all sorts of games throughout the week. Give us a follow on our socials at BettingHousePod where you can catch all our bets each week as well as some bonus content. Remember to always gamble responsibly. Let's get rich.
Commercials done. We are back, boys. EPL season is wrapping up. There's about five games remaining, um, but we kind of know what's happening at this point in time uh, in regards to the standings. There's a couple people that might flip-flop, but for the most part, we know where everyone's going to finish. So I wanted to talk about what we learned this season, and we'll go club by club here. We'll start with the the big six um, clubs because that's what everyone wants to hear anyway. And then we'll quickly hit on a, a few others. Um, Irfan, we'll start with you and we're going to start at the top with city. What did we learn about man city this season based on what we thought about them going into the year? They're very, very good is what we learned. <laughs> I think it just confirmed what we, we talked about. That? <laughs> no, we, we confirmed it. I should say, um, I, I have them, I had them winning the, the championship, from day one, I, I think they're just way too good. Um, there's so much depth than last year. And I know we talked about this off air and I've said it before on touchline is last year was a fluke. They're not going to lose nine games again. Like that is just, they address their defensive need with Ruben Diaz, who's obviously been or arguably been their best player, uh, maybe KDB, but um, they, they address needs in the offseason for a team that's super stacked and, and they continue to steamroll through. Um, they might be the best England team in the last six years overall, um, which, you know, we can't say that about a lot of other teams. And, and Liverpool's a close second, but Liverpool struggled this year. And when you have injuries, when you have injuries, and, and again, when you lose nine games, just like City did last year, it, it hurts you, but the difference was City was still the second best team in, in England last year, even with their nine losses, which... I think that was saying more about the rest of the English clubs as opposed to City and well, Liverpool. Well, they were they're, they're still the, the second tier, uh, the first yeah. tier, I should say. They're like, even if, if Liverpool's fully healthy, I still think they're their top two best teams in the EPL regardless. And I don't, I don't think anyone would argue with that. And, and if you're a United fan or a Chelsea fan, yes, they've gotten better, um, but they're still ways away from really contending um to be the best teams yeah kyle anything you want to add on city not really to be honest like they're 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 the best team and, and as we were saying before i think last year was just a fluke um is really what it came down to you know a, a bad year or you know brush it off come back and, and now they're stomping all over the epl so um not much to say other than what we'll, we'll you know Big, uh, big comeback for them in the Champions League. Actually, going down one nothing early, now up two one with two away goals. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, at at, the, at this point with that team, it's the sky's the limit, and we'll see how far they can go. Yeah, for sure. And I think the biggest stat that kind of tells you that last year was a fluke and that this team is the best is the goal differential, forty seven. Mm-hmm. The next best team is twenty nine. <laughs> like. It's not even close. They're just so good. And the Diaz emergence as a superstar was fantastic for them this year. So they are ready. They are poised to be a threat for the next few years. Um, Let's move on to their crosstown rivals, United, who are sitting in second right now. Um, I'm going to start with this one. They are more complete than we thought they were at the beginning of the season, I think. This is a team that is almost in competition to be a championship team in the EPL. I think, as you mentioned, Irfan, it's City and Liverpool are probably the top two teams right now. United is third and like comfortably in third in my position, in my opinion, I mean. Um, 
And there's no, like, glaring holes. At the beginning of the season, we thought there was going to be glaring holes in this team. We thought center back was going to be a glaring hole. Well, Maguire and Lindelof have formed a pretty decent combo. Could they improve at center back? Of course. There's no doubt about that, I think. Yes. I think Maguire is a great aerial defender with zero ability to mark. He's awful at it. He cannot man mark for his life. So what he needs is a, a defender, a defending partner who is great at man marking, so you don't have to worry about it. They don't have that in Lindelof yet, but they've formed a very good duo, not a great duo. Is the midfield a problem? Well, not anymore. If Pogba keeps playing like he has the last few games, it's not really an issue. Up front was never an issue. We knew that they were going to score goals. We knew that the, the, the trio up at the top was going to be good. Cavani has stepped in and become an absolute stud as a striker <laughs> for this team, which I didn't expect. They're almost there. Are they there yet? No, absolutely not. But they are almost there to be able to compete, right, Kyle? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I think the the biggest thing for them is is coming down to making sure that team stays together after this year. I think is the biggest thing. Um, obviously, you know, Pogba's uh, I believe his contract's coming up soon. I believe um, it's a year after this. Yeah, a year after this. So you know, it, does he stay? Does he go somewhere else? That I guess that really comes down to. Uh, where he thinks he's valued with the team because obviously earlier in the year he was not valued on the team the same way he is right now. So um I would say know. they could probably get away without having Pogba, but that's that's neither here nor there. Well they could, but they that means they have to bring somebody in because right, right now if, if they take him out, it's just not good enough at that point. So fair enough. Um but but to me I think I think as you said, I think that the 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 front end is, is where the, their their the money makers are right now. Obviously Cavani stepped in and been fantastic. Um, you know, Martial uh, or sorry, um, Martial and Rashford obviously haven't have done their job and that kind of stuff, but um, both dealt with injuries too. So exactly, and, and, and honestly, without Cavani, I don't know where you'd be at the where they'd be at this point purely because of injuries. I think is where, really what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, you know, it kind of that that backbone that you know the uh, the safety blanket, I guess, is what you can call him, um, and he's he's done it admirably. So. Uh, I the interesting thing will be De Gea and and what happens with him I think next year, um, and then obviously if Henderson does step up, where does that go? So yeah, for sure, um, I think that's the biggest question for them. But I definitely think they're on on the brink of stepping into that and making it a top three rather than a top two. Yeah, Irfan. Revelation of Mason Greenwood has been huge for Manchester United. Um, yes, Cavani has come in with his experience, and that's what they brought him in for. And he's just been lights out, just dangerous in every every part of the box. But you look at what Mason Greenwood's been doing with his ability to come off the bench, first of all, and then also when he starts, he's electric. And I think he's he's past Dan James and and starting. And I think he needs to be, which that isn't was, that hard. Wasn't really hard. I it think wasn't I hard. Pass Dan, Dan James at this point. In but when Dan James was bought, bought in, his ceiling was a little bit higher than than it is now. Um, but like this team's worked out. Fred's become, I think so. Like they brought Dan James in to start on right wing, and it didn't work. Yeah, what? But I wouldn't say his ceiling is is lower i think his ceiling if he reaches his potential is still very very high i wouldn't say his ceiling yes. is a lot lower but they're compared to mason greenwood compared to mason greenwood now right and yes right. yeah that's what i'm comparing i'm not okay, comparing that's, that's him to another. I, thought you, I thought you meant to himself when they brought him in because i think his ceiling no is no no high. his ceiling oh he's still a very talented that's, player that's my fault. Just, i misunderstood i apologize no no i'm saying that i'm saying that mason greenwood's ceiling is much higher oh, and he's God, become yeah. 
Uh-huh. Oh, um, and I think another another key player in this Manchester United midfield has been Fred. Um, last couple of weeks, he's kind of struggled with the ball. But if you look at his ability to be that engine that they need covering the defense, he's he's the one marking players that Harry Maguire can't. And if you notice it, he keeps he keeps cheating over to Maguire's side to make sure that that's <laughs> Well, yeah, but but like he's been a, a revelation, and and yeah, like and you Pog- has done the same thing too. They're, yeah, they're, they're all they are a great one-two punch in that midfield. Yeah, uh, so and I think I think Ollie's figured it out in the sense that he needs two holding midfielders to really effectively make sure that the defense isn't a gaping hole. And obviously, when you have guys like Luke Shaw who can. I don't know what's going on with Luke Shaw this year. What's in the water? Because he's just finding the ball, finding passes, playing a very good defensive game. Aaron Wansaka, uh, Aaron Wenbasaka, sorry, um, needs to improve on his offensive game. But like he's one of the best tacklers we've seen in quite some time. And um, you mentioned Pogba there, Kyle. Pogba and Fernandez have this sort of chemistry, and and I think if you take Pogba off, um, it takes away that little scare of of teams because now they don't they know to just you know isolate Fernandez. And now when you have Fernandez and Pogba, it's like well all right, who do we isolate? Because if we try and isolate those two, we've just lost half our resources. Yeah. So it I think becomes, that's it becomes more of a blanket thing rather than uh, straight isolation. So yeah, for sure. So for sure. Um, kudos to United for, for being where they are. I would not have said this to you when they lost to Crystal Palace on the first day of the season. And obviously it's the first day of the season, but it was a very poor performance. No, but so, I think at the beginning of the year, you and me, Irfan fully said that it was uh, City, Liverpool. We had Tottenham and third at the beginning of the year, I'm pretty sure. And then we had I also had Chelsea up there. Well, no, I, then I was going to say you, we had, we had United and Chelsea fighting for fourth. Yeah. We weren't sure which one was going to be better, but that was kind of where we had it. Um, Hell I had Arsenal in fourth guys. So I got that wrong. <laughs> yeah, We'll talk about that in a second, but like United is better than we thought they were at the beginning of the season. And it looks like they figured some stuff out. Let's get to Chelsea. I said, we're going to do the big six and then we'll do everyone else. So Chelsea is next. Um, they have had a, they've had a very interesting year. So I'm I'm going to leave this one to you Kyle. What what did we learn about Chelsea this season? Honestly, not a whole lot. Um it's kind Other of Other than it, the fact that Frank Lampard can't coach. But it, it's it's honestly and that's kind of been it. It's kind of been up and down, you know, ass backwards. It's just gone <laughs> 14 different ways. It, it seems like like Tuchel now over the last what two months or so has has kind of brought them back into the team that they truly can be, I think is what, what's kind of happened here. And I think they're slowly identifying who their true starting roster is, I think is the yeah. biggest mm-hmm. thing. Um, that's the biggest problem with Chelsea from being that next year is they don't even know who their starting nine are going to be on any given day. And I think that's not a bad thing because it means they have players that can complement each other. But at the same point, they kind of need to figure out is, is Timo Werner the guy who's actually going to be able to finish the ball or are they going to play Zayac as a false nine or whatever it may be. They're still working through the kinks. Um, I think is, is what they're, they're going to finalize. I, I do think that they are going to be hundred percent pop four next year. And I don't think it's even a question at this point um, of where they're going to be, because I think they are truly going to develop as a team together. And if, and the way Tugel's making that team play right now, they're going to be a tough team to play on any given night. So um, I, I, I like the direction they're going. They didn't start off mm-hmm. the greatest, but um, definitely trending in the right direction. And obviously, as we said, uh, you know, they, they made Real's life uh, kind of a pain in the ass on, on, last week. So um, Real looked awful in that game, by the yeah. way. I watched that entire game. They looked awful. Like I said, Zidane, 
they Zidane tried to play down to Chelsea when he shouldn't have done that. Well, that was also N'Golo Conte looked like a friggin' god. Oh, he looked awesome. So, um, Mason Mountain as well. Yeah. Well, Mason Mount is the most underrated player on Chelsea, and for some reason Lampard just did not want to use him. No, here was here's the Lampard played him. Here's the thing that I learned about Chelsea. Not in the way he should have. Yeah, and that's the key. The thing we learned about Chelsea this year is when you play their players in their proper positions, Mm -hmm. they are deathly good at it. Lampard was playing people out of position at the beginning of the year, and that's why they were losing a bunch of games and they weren't succeeding. And then Tuchel comes in and be like, okay, no, this is the position you're playing. You're playing this position and this position only. Yes, you can kind of move around in the game, but this is your position. And it's been eye-opening. Like, these guys have just figured it out. And that was what was missing at the beginning of the year, Irfan, is that they just did not have set positions. And as someone who played every position growing up, when you aren't comfortable, you don't play well. And no, you can't. You don't take those chances that you normally would in your in your more uh, common position. I think to add to you guys, I think Thomas Tuchel brought stability in yeah. um, and experience. And and don't get me wrong. I think Frank Lampard's going to be a very good coach in the future. Um, I'm I'm very high on him. I thought he would have been coach of the year because of his performance last year. But again, he tried to do different things because he didn't know where to fit these players. He didn't know where Havertz would fit. He didn't know where Werner would fit. And these are top end talents that. They should not be struggling with the way they have this year. So, you know, Kyle, you might be on the right track. They could be a steadfast top four, top five team next year because of what they have. And if Nicola Conte doesn't get old and his engine keeps running the way it does. He doesn't get um, old. I feel like that's a physical inevitability there. (laughs) Well, it is. But I think he's one of the best markers in the game. Um, he, he is. And, and I think if you're Chelsea this off season and the biggest need for you is to find someone who can replace him. And, and, and when they look over to, to Lester again, I think they should. And NDD would be a perfect fit. Uh, Stop just throwing that up there. Lester. Just throwing that out there. If you're looking for a player of that caliber to replace him, or if you want to go over to Everton and get to Kure, um, or Musa or Musa Sissoko, who can who can man mark really well because I, I don't know where Tottenham's going to be at the end of the season if they're going to be able to keep their players, but that would be another good player, and and I think yeah. Chelsea could pick up some engines and and maybe move away from Mateo Kovacic. Uh, one quick note on Lampard: I don't think Lampard will be a head coach, a great head coach. I think he will be a great bench coach, like a second mm-hmm. in command. I've, there's something about Lampard that I just feel like he has all the tactics, but he can't be the guy making the decision on which tactic to use. He needs to be the guy advising him, saying, okay, now that we're in this formation, we need to do this, this, and this. I think Lampard would be very, very good at that. Just he can't be the one making decisions because he has too many tactics in his head. He wants to do so many different things that he can't narrow it down to one. Well, that's that's a sign of a young manager needing experience, right? So um, he might start off as a bench coach, maybe go coach the under-21s with Eddie Howe. I think that would be a fantastic um, tech team partnership there. And I'm keep fighting for it because I, I could be better than they are. But um, <laughs> Can't be much worse. <laughs> no, but but if you go like that, he'll learn from Eddie Howe, A, or he'll learn from a massive coach. And I think then eventually in 10 to 15 years, he'll be ready to be a, uh, ready to be a coach. Um, you know, some guys have the luck. And I mean, you throw them into the fire like Steven Gerrard and he's doing well, but he's also yeah. doing well for Rangers in the SPL. Is he, is that necessarily going to translate over to the EPL or a massive, a uh, bigger team? Maybe we don't know. And I think maybe Lampard could also go and, and, and coach at, at, in a lower division and then kind of 
build his stock that way. And I think, you know, if he stuck around with Darby, that would have helped him a little bit more than jumping over to Chelsea. Fair enough. Again, didn't do do poorly last year. It's just struggled this year. Again, it's just something that I've noticed about him. I think he needs to be the second in command. But regardless, let's let's move on to the next big six team, Liverpool. Um, We can't really, I don't think we can make a full judgment on this Liverpool side based on this year, other than the fact that this is the easiest thing to say about Liverpool. When a team gets injured, they don't play as well as they should. Is that, is that, a, is that a fair statement, Kyle? Is, is there anything other than that to say about Liverpool? When a team loses top players, they don't play as well as if they had those top players. Yes, that's honestly as simple as that. that literally we, don't, we don't think this Liverpool side is a sixth-ranked team in the EPL. No, it, it, no. it, it sums up Liverpool season, though. It is truly just injuries and, and, and not being able to bounce back or – to me, I, I think it also says something about Liverpool's depth too. Is not well, I mean, they lost four center backs. Yes, but I, I'm saying I'm <laughs> they also saying, lost their depth as well. Yeah, <laughs> they weren't healthy. <laughs> not only did they lose their starters, they lost the depth. They were just screwed. Yeah, so it's like it's like one of those like, you know, will they bounce back? 100. percent I expect them to see them top three minimum next year. Yeah. Um, but. It, it, it's it is a, it's kind of like city season last year so like, yeah I'll wipe it out we'll come back next year and try it again so the difference is is that city didn't draw as many games as liverpool did Fair. and that's why that's why liverpool is sitting in sixth whereas last year city was in second yeah mm-hmm. right well, when when the games were over there was a winner and a loser last year for city liverpool keeps drawing games we also had that month span where liverpool just decided to not score at home so um, not win either. Yeah. Like, yeah well, they were drawing games, though. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. At least they weren't conceding. That's the biggest thing. But <laughs> I mean, yeah. they'll take it as a plus when you're missing your best center back. Exactly. exactly. Best three center backs. Like, yeah. <laughs> ridiculous. Well, I mean, um, arguably also one of the best defenders in the world, too. Well, yeah. No, their number one is ridiculous. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, if you're talking about this Liverpool side, you can't just say Van Dyke was out and beat that. That's the reason why they struggled. No, they lost, like, every single center back option they had. They were playing Henderson as a center back for the longest time. Who's not a center Who was back? good? He's, Who was good? He's, fan- he's played fantastic in center back. But then he got. He's hurt. not a center back. I don't care. Like he's not a. Center I'm not saying. I'm not saying he's a center back, but he filled in very well, and then he gets did. injured, and now he's gone. And you're like, and there's number James five. There's the fifth. Yeah, Milner's playing center back now. Come on, like really. <laughs> That's the point. Woo, um, Irfan. I don't think you're gonna add anything to that. So why don't we just no. move let's just move to Tottenham. Um, what happened with Tottenham this year, Irfan? We had we had them possibly competing for third. Mm-hmm. They were Man, they were leading seven. the league. They were leading the league in the first couple of months. That was great. We're like, all right, Jose Mourinho's back, no. and then they fell flat. Um, well, first of all, I think Jose Mourinho was a wrong hiring decision. I think when you have Carlo Ancelotti also on the board, I don't know why you don't go and get him. Um, not that Everton's any better, but I mean, I think with the with the money Spurs hold had, on, hold on. Everton I'm talking about has, position. I know. I'm talking Everton about Everton has way worse players, and they are. One point behind Tottenham with a game in hand. Well, then, then let me finish my point. I'm saying if he was going over to Spurs, not only would he have the money, but he would have had arguably the best striker in the EPL 
maybe the world, maybe. I don't know where Kane is going to last like top five in the world as a striker. Uh, Lewa's Le- Le- top in the world. Let's no, okay. So top five in the world. <laughs> I'm just trying to be nice to Kane because I feel like I and I, I appreciate that, but let's not pump his tires too much. Um, but I think overall they finished where they should be finishing because they didn't get the right coach. First of all, um, Harry Kane cannot be doing the only thing. Son cannot be doing the only thing for you. Like this team is good, but for some reason, there's just something that's not sticking. And, and whether that's Daniel Levy's time to, to, to say to this team that, you know, what, let's, let's clean house. Let's bring some money in and start buying new players. I think that might be the best thing, especially if you don't know who your next manager is. Um, a little disappointed with them and, and maybe it's time for Harry Kane to move on and go to a, a bigger club, whether that's in England or in, in France, you know, I mean, PSG is always looking for a striker if they don't get Leo or if they want to replace a Cardi. So, you know, go out there, go, go do something else. Um, Just a little disappointing with their season with, with the talent that they have. We'll, we'll take him at Chelsea and fix that goal scoring problem. I don't know. I don't know if we'll go to another London squad unless well, they throw United, United. I, mean, I, feel like he, I feel like he would purely because he already said he wants trophies. And okay. I think the biggest thing would be, you know, you look at City, United, Chelsea. I don't think Liverpool needs him, so I'm not going to consider them. But I don't think City's um, necessarily needs him. City not too, but maybe United to potentially if Cavani leaves, does he <laughs> – does Harry Kane immediately step in there? Who knows? Or no, what you do is you bring Harry Kane in because Cavani's good coming off the bench. You bring Harry Kane in for the first 70 minutes of every match, and then Cavani comes in for the last 20 and just runs through people. And and immediately, you, you had a striker like that, and it brings both those teams to, okay, yeah, yeah now, now we understand where we're going to go with that one. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I think the biggest thing is if Kane leaves, do we consider Tottenham the top 16 anymore? <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh well, actually, they're, they're well, still a big six club. Honestly, where they financially? Yeah, you know, yes, financially, of course, they're going to be up there. But do we consider them a top six club right now? Anyways, no, not this no. season. Not the way they're playing this season. I wouldn't. And even if they sell Harry Kane, the money that they're going to get, they're not going to invest it properly. That's what they did when they got bail the, money. The biggest issue for for Tottenham for me is that midfield has zero creativity. The defense is okay. I wouldn't say they're a great defensive unit, but they're they are serviceable as a defensive unit. Yeah. But the midfield has no creativity. So they the defense gets the ball, they get it into the midfield, and the midfield does nothing with it. So that's why Harry Kane and uh, Hunman Sung have been trying to do everything by themselves. They're dropping so far back to pick up the ball and then trying to run through everybody. You can't do that. You need well, defense, and they they have the midfielders sure. who are supposed to be creative like Deli Ali is supposed to be creative Eric Lamella is supposed to be creative Dyer I wouldn't say is creative no uh it's uh La Celso uh, was brought in to, Celso, to play that yeah. er- Erickson role uh, but when you go defensive the whole time with Ndombele and Sissoko and even Harry Winks you're not really like you said you're not offering anything to the the, the guys up front and I mean a great example would be when they when they lost in their Europa League game um, and completely looked like duds, even with the the, the attacking power. Because Harry Kane, like you said, was coming all the way to the back, receiving the ball from their left back, and then trying to carry it for the next half of the the pitch. So it just doesn't work. So that's I think that's the biggest issue with Tottenham, and mm-hmm. I, I don't think either of you guys are going to argue me on that one. Nope. Um, one more from the big six, and then I have two question marks that I want to talk about quickly. Arsenal obviously is the other big six club. 
we said they could struggle. Is there an issue with the manager here, Irfan? I don't, I don't know. Think we thought they were going to struggle this much. I, as much as I want to take the blame and put it on Mikel Arteta, the guys at the on the pitch have just not been good. I mean, you cannot have, um, and this was something I was I was reading into and watching the last couple of games is, uh, Saka cannot be your best player every night. It has to be your leaders. It has to be guys like Obama Yang or Lacazette when they're healthy, right? Like it can't be Saka. It can't be like Nicola Pepe. What has he become? He hasn't really become what they brought Poopy. in. That's what he's become. Poopy. Like. Uh, I would say that Mikel Arteta will finish off the season um, and he'll get uh, the Lampard treatment eventually in the next season where he'll get a month or two or three. And if they continue to play like this, then it's the manager. But I I, I would give him one more off season to, to clear out guys that just aren't good enough and, and hope that Kieran Tierney stays healthy for the rest of the year. Fingers crossed. And and I think they will improve. And if he's, if he's looking at his young players this year and if they've been... Um, the best players like Martinelli, Smith Rowe, Tierney, Tierney, right? Um, start putting focus onto these guys, and you know what? Maybe look for a different goalkeeper because they they completely whiffed with between him and him, uh, Bert Leno and, and Martinez because Leno's just letting in gaffes. Well, he has nine clean sheets this year. I actually don't think the defense is the biggest issue. Yeah, I mean, but when, when you're shots, starting but David shots, Luiz nineteen times, that's an issue. But but when but when a shot's getting to Leno, he just doesn't look comfortable on it. Nineteen clean or nine clean sheets or not or whatever. Like he just doesn't look comfortable. So they do you have, move on from I know, but here's the thing. They have the fourth best goals against in the league. Fourth best with 37 goals alone yeah. 37 yeah but the but they're also not scoring any no i know that's the but that's yeah. the issue yeah. it's it's very similar to tottenham it's almost yeah. like they can't get the ball from the defense to the offense because lacazette and uh obamiang have done what they're supposed to do in the offensive third they're yeah. just struggling to get it there and you talk about saka being their best player for the last like month i have no problem with him being your best player as long as the other guys are producing or getting the chances to produce, but they're not getting the ball from the defense to the offense. Right, Kyle? hundred percent. And I, I think, I think it honestly, it, it's kind of similar to a Chelsea thing too, where they're, they, I don't think they have the players in the right position right now. I don't think they're truly putting them in the best position to succeed at this point. Uh, Willian should not be in your starting nine. I, I'm sorry. They should not be going into the year. He should have been now, not a chance. No, but but they keep they keep wanting to, and pushing and pushing and keeping him in and the. By line. the way, why do you keep saying starting nine? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's like I, the third reason, time you've said that. There's eleven guys on the field, Kyle. For some reason, I, I'm, I'm I'm I don't know why I like immediately said nine, but I know it's eleven. But um, <laughs> okay, brain fart. Uh, yeah, I, I told you I'm fucking tired. I've slept three hours in two days. So, yes. um, yeah, but like I I just think it's. It very well could be a managerial thing. Honestly, it could be they need to bring in someone fresh and kind of truly evaluate who they have um, and what they can do. As you said, like the underlying numbers are there. You know, the, the, the uh, they, they're not really conceding a whole lot comparatively, but they're not scoring a whole lot too. So there, there's a disconnect there for, for them for sure. And, you know, I look at Smith Rowe as a guy who looks pretty damn good to me. Um and I, th- I think definitely could take that next step, but they need to take that next step in order that him for him to succeed. So yeah. um, I don't see 
I honestly, I don't see Arsenal competing for top five next year. I really, I really don't. Um, unless there's some big overhauls, I think is the biggest question. Um, but <laughs> honestly, knowing Arsenal, I don't think those are coming. So, um, valid. <laughs> I, you know, they're big six in money, but they're not big six in talent right now. No. So. All right, let's move on to some teams outside of the quote-unquote big six. I want to talk about Leicester, and the thing that I think I learned this year about Leicester boys, Leicester is a top club in England. Mm-hmm. I think we need to add them into the big conversation and change it from a big six to a big seven. Like, they Can we are... drop Arsenal? Can we well, drop Spurs I mean, and we Arsenal? Can, we can <laughs> drop these guys teams up. as well, but I'm saying, like, if we were going to add Leicester in, because I still think... Tottenham and Arsenal have a chance to be good in a few years, not necessarily next year, but a few years if they right the ship mm-hmm. and they'll be back up in the conversation. Leicester is a very good team in England and they deserve full credit. They are sitting in third in the league this year with a 22 goal differential. That doesn't just happen overnight. Mm-hmm. And they've been doing it for the last few years since their surprise run to the to the title. They figured out how to play in the EPL. And they've also figured out how to do decent things in Europe. I'm not going to say they've blown the Champions League away, but they've they've made a couple decent runs. Mm-hmm. They have to be considered a top seven team now, right? Yes. 100%. Yes. They've been a top, I think they've been a top six, not a big six, but like a top six team in England since 2015. Okay. Um, Can we now add them into the big seven conversation can we sure. can we make it a big seven now like is this is this something that we were okay sure. saying yeah like yeah. like talent wise 100 even money wise they're they're right there now they, because of the last couple champions league runs they are right there now so so the only thing with that is i think lester lester has done a fantastic job of developing and introducing new players right. bringing people in the bring players in the epl but the problem is those bigger teams are picking the scraps off of lester which is causing them not be able to go like as high potential as they possibly could. Fair enough. Right? They keep getting players bought off of them, and they keep dropping down to four, five, six, compared and to then being back up and then down. Yeah, and, and then and then they develop new players. Then all of a sudden, somebody else buys, and they go back to four, five, six. So Fair that's enough. the only problem is I, I think money wise, sure they're there, but I don't think they're there in the same aspect, in my opinion. Right? You, you look at Chelsea, who literally picked them apart with Chilwell and, and Conte. Um, and and to be honest, it could be more players coming this 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 next transfer, and, and it, who, who knows yep. at this point, right? It's like, yes, they are a fantastic club when they're all there, but if they're all there, that's the biggest question. So, mm-hmm. so I'm definitely willing to give them, put them top, top seven, hundred percent. But they're they're to me like talent wise, they're there, no problem. But it's 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 everything else that is playing a factor into them not really being considered that top six. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Okay, fair enough. They have to stop selling players and then in, in turn come up and say, "Listen, we're buying the best player on the market today exactly. and showing that we can." Um, but the, the good thing about them is they haven't really lost a step in the sense that they still maintain their top six positioning in the table mm-hmm. because they're investing well. When they lost Angola Conte, you had Ndidi come in or you had uh, Tielemans come in and and do something just as well um Chilwell is gone they've got a left back that could play mm-hmm. yeah so uh, Brendan Rodgers um and even Lester and the previous managers before that Shakespeare and and Ranieri they were able to replace these players on the goal um and I think that's the biggest asset for Lester's but you're right this soft season I think their goal should be hey guess what 
we're not selling you our player we're gonna go unless get it's a guy. unless it's way over market yeah, value yeah. like if you're getting if you're offering if you're getting a guy way over market value okay sell him off and then buy a replacement at this point like mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I think honestly like they're in a position quite the opposite of like arsenal they they know where their players play they know how to they're they're a complete club but they they don't have the like you know, obviously the money that Arsenal does, but they don't need it because they know how to develop their players. They know how to put them in the best position to play. And that's, honestly, Leicester is one of those, like, to, to me, it's 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 the Cinderella story type thing. Um, and just one of those teams that you can't really hate Leicester because, like, they're, like, they're, they're the, this not necessarily small market team, but they're kind of the small market team if you think about EPL comparatively. And that, that just succeeds every year going on. And you're just like, all right, I respect that. Like, no problem. So, can we uh, also can we also take in the fact? Okay, Yuri Tielemans has the most appearances by an outfield player on the team at thirty four. Jamie Vardy second with thirty. Can you name the third most appearances on the team? Indeedy, Johnny Evans. It's Johnny Evans. This guy was thrown away by so many EPL clubs. He is now on one of the top defensive teams in the EPL. They have 10 clean sheets in the 28 matches that he's played in. He also has two goals. They get the best out of players at Leicester. Because this is a guy who was thrown away. Wes Morgan as well. Same thing. He was kind of thrown away by some EPL clubs. He found a home. Right? Like, it's kind of crazy. I know Morgan hasn't really played much this year. I, I will say that. He played three matches. But they got the most out of him. Christian Fuchs was the same way. Got the most out of him. Like it's just incredible the 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 ability that they get out of these players who were thrown away by all these other big EPL clubs. So, would Leicester be the equivalent of the Oakland A's of the MLB? <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. In terms I mean, of development, I mean, I mean, they're, they're a team that doesn't necessarily have all the money in the world, no, but seems to develop these players out of nowhere. They eventually Rays, taken, similar similar with yeah, the Rays. like they event, but they eventually get taken by their teams, right? Like I'm thinking Moneyball, like. Like you literally think of Moneyball, yeah. and that's yeah. literally Leicester. Is you know these top players get taken away, but all of a sudden they, they bring in these guys with underlying metrics and stuff like that that are like, hey, yeah, we can work with these guys. It's like, all right, cool, okay. That's a that's a good that's a good call. I think that's it's very similar to what what they are, and I, I think they they fill that need. Um, any other teams that we want to talk about before we wrap this up or fun? I'll, I'll give you the call because you're you're the soccer dude. No, soccer dude. <laughs> No, I think I think the table's slowly starting to shape up. It will be very interesting to see how the the fourth place for Champions League sort of fills out. There's five, four to five games left. Um, is Chelsea probably going to pull away with it? Yes, but <laughs> are West Ham going to end up in a Europa spot at the end of the season? Uh, remains to be seen because there are three other teams that can probably get to that position. So. Yeah, quite, quite, quite nice. It's it's fun this year because it's not just set in stone for the first time in quite some time. It's it's like hello, there's four, five, six teams that are actually could do it. Hell, if Leeds goes on a on a torrent twelve point thing, they could, and everyone else loses. Hey, they could be in the Europe spot. Yeah, um, Leeds is also fun to watch. Whether they're winning or losing, they are a fun team to watch. Well, on, honestly, and we're not, we didn't really talk about West Ham, but West Ham being in that fifth spot right now is. Something that I don't think any of us no. thought was going to happen. So, don't get me started. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing is that I, I'm interested to see if they can continue their success, um, 
or is it kind of like a Leicester where all their top players get picked off? I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Um, let's move on to our last topic quickly, boys. And this is we're, we don't have a whole lot to say about this one, but it's top news right now. So we got to bring it up. Uh, Roberto Alomar has been fired as a consultant by the MLB and deemed ineligible by the league after a sexual misconduct allegation stemming from uh, the past back in 2014. Um, the MLB said that they, having reviewed all available evidence from the now completed investigation, they have concluded that Mr. Alomar violated MLB's policies and that termination of his consultant contract and placement on MLB's ineligible list are warranted we are grateful for the courage of the individual who came forward mlb will continue to strive to create environments in which people feel comfortable speaking up without fear of uh, reclamation retaliation or exclusion the jays took it one further as well saying that the blue jays are committed to advancing or sorry let me correct that. There was a statement before. The Blue Jays are severing all ties with Alomar effective immediately. The Blue Jays are committed to advancing respect and equity in baseball and are taking further action by removing Alomar from the level of excellence and taking down his banner at the Rogers Center. Alomar's plaque will stay at Cooperstown, so he's not being removed from the Hall of Fame. Um, and then Alomar had this to, stay, to say in a statement. Uh, I'm just going to pull it up on Twitter because he did post it on Twitter. I'm disappointed, surprised, and upset with today's news. With the current social climate, I understand why Major League Baseball has taken the position they have. My hope is that this allegation can be heard in a venue that will allow me to address the accusations directly. I will continue to spend my time helping kids pursue their baseball dreams. I will not be making any further comment at this time. That's all the news that we have. We don't have any more information, so we're not going to speculate. We're not going to make make wild accusations here, boys. Um Kyle, let's start with you. How, do you think the MLB handled it properly? Do you think the Jays handled it properly based on what we know? Mm-hmm. And uh, did you think Roberto Alomar's comments were appropriate on the situation? I mean, Alomar's comments are all, it's pretty much the same that you would get from anybody who has the, these things taken away from them, obviously. Um, I think uh, if the if the MLB and the, and the Jays have done their, their due diligence on, on this investigation, I think, you know, the actions are justified, I think, in, in that aspect. Um, uh, I, was, I was saying before the show, honestly, that, um, like, the fact that the Jays are doing this to arguably their best player in franchise history um, truly says something. You know, I, I, I don't know, in my opinion, I think I'm not condoning anything he does in that opinion, but taking him off the wall of excellence, I, I think, might have been a hastily decision. Um, but but it, it, if everything comes out that it's true, then then it's a justified decision. But yeah. but I, I think the biggest thing is um, obviously we 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 know that they've conducted and, and finished their investigation. Um, but I don't think any, anything has been charged or he's been convicted of anything by any means, um, yeah. to, to my knowledge. But um, it, it's it's sad for for a Blue Jays because you you know the one person that's in the Hall of Fame for you, um, no longer really is represented in baseball so yeah um it, it's it's a, it's a sad time and honestly it's disappointing it is truly what it is so yeah. um I, I wish things were different for sure and you know you, you can never be too safe in today's society so obviously this goes back to 2014 but that's a whole other story um it's uh it's a very 
sad day in, in Jay's history for sure. Sad day in baseball. Let's yeah. just make that very clear. It's, this is not a story that you want to have. Uh, Irfan, uh, let's get your thoughts on what I was asking Kyle. Uh, do you think the MLB handled it properly? Jay's and Alomar's comments. Thoughts on that? Um, I mean, Alomar's comments are, like Kyle said, I think anyone who, who goes through this will come out with this. And um, and, he, and he's asking for a platform to speak. Well, maybe probably we'll get one if it becomes a case, um, which is fine. But I think the MLB recognizing and understanding that you know, sexual misconduct is not something that can be taken lightly. We've seen a few general managers and coaches this year get the heat of it. Um, have they been completely removed from the MLB yet? And I, I don't know the story about that, but um, I, I think for Alomar, it, it's just a, it, whatever he's done or whatever the allegation is, it must be so severe to the point where the MLB has to has to make these moves. And same thing with the Blue Jays. I don't think they've made this uh, blindly. Uh, at all or they've taken it lightly um i'm sure if it was there's no i you know you can't judge the lightness or the the harshness of of the allegation but it must have been to a point where it could have been damaging for the organization or the mlb moving forward um so yeah i think if you're gonna have to take this step then there must be valid reasoning for it so that's i think that's all i'll say about it and, and to the and to the individual who spoke up and to individuals who need to speak up um i i think you should be speaking up if you can um that there's platforms out there. So um, I don't know how we can support your garage or sports, but if you are a victim of a sexual uh, misconduct or, or harassment, um, take that step, reach out to us, I think, um, or reach out to people you trust and, and make that steps because that's bold to do and, and, and very commendable to the individual who did it. Yeah. yeah, it's not an easy decision by any means, that's for sure. No, no, no. And we, none of us have any experience with it. So we would be, we would be f- trying to figure it out as alongside, but it's, it's not something that we take lightly here. Um, I think the one thing that I've been impressed with, and I know Kyle, you said that you thought the Jays taking down his name from the level of excellence and the banner and everything was a little hasty, but what we've seen in the past, recent past, I'll say, cause I don't we can't go too far back cause our memories aren't that good. Cause you know, we're still young. The Jays have actually been very, very good at dealing with these kind of allegations and handling it the proper way. We saw the Roberto Osuna, um, situation, right? Irfan and, the Jays did the full investigation, realized what had happened, and said, we don't want this guy on our team. He is one of the best young closers in the game. He could make our team so much better. We want nothing to do with him. That's a huge step to take for a professional organization, right? And they did it. And now this comes out, and it sounds like it was a long investigation. Based on what what I read from the MLB statement, it wasn't a short investigation like, oh, Mm -hmm. this happened, we're going to do this. This sounds like it was a decently long investigation. So if that's the case, then it sounds like the Jays are making the right decision and acting the way they should again, which is mm-hmm. something that we we need to commend the Jays for in that case. If it comes out that this was a short decision and Kyle is right that they acted very hastily because they didn't know all the information, we will rescind that. But based on what we know and what it sounds like we know, mm-hmm. the Jays are very good at handling this and they're doing the right thing, right? They're taking the accountability. And I think... Um the uh lisa banks a lawyer the individual who came out and s- spoke said that the client is you know she's she's i want to wouldn't say happy but she's you know she commends the the baseball industry for holding someone accountable and i think the jays are holding him accountable so in, in other words it doesn't matter if you're the best player in the world or the best player in the organization there's a line you can't cross and and i think you know i i'm happy to be a blue jays fan because you know if you're able to stand by people who who you know go through this then i, I think it's it's huge 
Um, I don't think we'll, we'll have any more to say on this right now. We're going to wait for more information, but we felt that we needed to talk about it because it is uh, top of mind at the moment in the MLB, and it's more prevalent than any stories on the field, unfortunately, so we needed to get it out there. Um, let's let's end this one off, boys. Final thoughts for the week. Kyle, why don't you get us started with your final thought for uh, this week? Um, don't really have a whole lot of final thoughts, to be honest. Um I guess the only thing I could really say is I'm interested to see where the Rogers situation goes with Green Bay. Is really my final thought on that one. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that. I'm sure we will in the next couple of weeks, but we didn't even get to that today. Mm-hmm. So that that'll be an interesting one for sure. Uh, Irfan, your final thought, my friend. Um, the world of soccer or some organize or some clubs are doing um like blackout social media this weekend. So. Uh, I know I was telling you guys that I do want to drop some new information on Touchline Thoughts. We're going to hold off until midweek, until this this um, the social media blackout's done, especially because it's in the soccer world and it's connected to us. So uh, please keep an eye out. Say stand up to against racism. Um, you know, Black Lives Matter. Stop hate. Um, that's probably all I'm going to say today. Yeah. All right. It, the racism is not just against black. Uh, soccer players unfortunately it's across the board in some leagues and it's it's awful and it shouldn't be that way um but i i fully support that the cause that all these leagues are doing and all these teams are doing i think it's fantastic i think hopefully it brings more attention to it right Irfana? that's that's the goal of this yeah holding people accountable for what they're doing and i mean ian wright uh, Arsenal legend says I did, he, like the fact that he's still not even a player anymore and he deals with it on a daily basis just speaks volumes as to how this follows uh, individuals for sure so uh, we stand in support of all of those teams and all of those leagues um, my final thought and it's going to sound really mushy I am so proud of everyone from our team here at Garage Door Sports uh, across the network uh what we've been able to do over the last year in a lockdown situation and what we've been able to accomplish from growing this to a six six show network and still growing or looking for opportunities to grow to doing live shows for the first time like we did this week. I cannot be more impressed with everything that we have done. We have big things coming across a bunch of the shows, if not all of the shows that I am so super excited about. And I cannot thank you guys enough. You two have been there with me from the beginning, pretty much. And I can't thank everyone else enough. So boys, thank you. And that's my final thought for the week because I've been so impressed with everybody, the way everyone's handled stuff during this NFL draft week. And man, I can't wait till the NHL draft when we can get more people involved and have a lot more fun with it. (laughs) So thank you guys. Um, that'll do it for our show today. Make sure you tune in next week. We will have, as I said, we're going to have some NHL talk. We'll have probably more MLB talk because Vladdy has become a superstar and we will have to talk about that eventually. <laughs> um, we're also going to probably recap the full NFL draft, see if there's any teams that really surprised us on the last day. And we'll give more, we'll give more talk to other sports as well but those are the main ones we're going to hit uh if you're looking for us follow us at garage door sport on twitter at garage door sports on instagram if you're looking for our website it's garage make sure you also check out our twitch and youtube channels as well because they are now getting more content as we go on twitch it's garage door sports network it was changed uh after our draft show but still um and Check out our channel on YouTube, Garage Door Sports 
Network as well. If you're looking for us individually, it's at Kyle Vardy, at Irfan Manji, and at Nick McVicker. We appreciate you listening. We thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. 